Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Thursday, April 7th. We begin with a look ahead to the federal budget release, specifically the impact the new budget will have on the average taxpayer. We get the thoughts of Franco Terrazano, federal director of the Canadian Taxpayers Foundation. Is there a rift between the Calgary Police Commission and the rank-and-file CPS officers? And what is the future of the controversial Thin Blue Line patch? We discuss with Sean Cornett, Calgary Police Commission chair. Then we look at the roller coaster ride known as the Calgary real estate market. We get a snapshot of the current state of the market, whether buying or selling, from realtor Justin Haver of Justin Haver & Associates, Remax First. And finally, we wrap up our Where We Live series, focusing on what shapes Calgary and our community. This time out, our Dave McIver takes us back in time to Canada's largest historical village, Heritage Park. The federal government will table its 2022 budget today. What can we expect and how will it impact the average taxpayer? With Insight, we're joined by Franco Terrazano, Federal Director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. Good morning to you, Franco. Hey, good morning to you and thanks so much for having me on. Thanks for being here. Uh, Let's look ahead. Nobody has a crystal ball, but what do you anticipate from today's budget, Franco? Well, we unfortunately anticipate another big spending, another credit card budget from this credit card government. Um, now, what we want to see is we want to see a clear timeline, a clear plan to get this, these books back to balance. I mean, last year we saw a $145 billion deficit. This year we want to see a plan to balance the books. But, you know, after the new liberal NDP agreement, I think we're going to be in for uh, some more government borrowing. How much debt is the federal government in? And really, can you kind of break it down for the for the average Canadian taxpayer? What it means for us sitting at home? Yeah, absolutely. So put down your coffee because the federal government is already one point two trillion dollars in debt, and that debt is going up by an eye watering forty five hundred dollars every single second. But here's what it means for you as you're listening, as you're driving to work, it means that you are already on the hook. Each Canadian is on the hook for about $31,000 in federal debt alone. Absolutely eye-watering. You break things down. You're, mm-hmm. you're kind of uh, to the point, Franco, black and white when it uh, comes to your thoughts. Uh, but I'm wondering, could you see any winners coming out of today's budget? Well, I mean, hopefully we're not going to see any major new tax hikes on Canadians. We already have seen taxes go up at the federal level this year, right? We we just saw a federal carbon tax increase on April 1. We just saw boost taxes uh, go up also on April 1. But we're also seeing Canadians paying higher payroll taxes this year in 2022. So hopefully we're not going to see any major new tax hikes. Um, But unfortunately, we are seeing this government debt, this massive government borrowing, continue to push up inflation. Franco, what recommendations has the Canadian Taxpayers Federation presented to the Federal Finance Committee? Oh, I love that question. So we did present to the Finance Committee. We presented our 75-page budget submission. Tell you I had a great time writing that. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and it showed the government how it could balance its budget within only a few years by returning total spending to pre-pandemic levels. And here's why it's so important. 
Pre-pandemic spending was already all-time highs, which means that in 2018, the Trudeau government spent more money that year before the pandemic, before any cross-Canada recession, than the federal government did during any single year during World War II. That's even after accounting for inflation and population differences. So we're asking, calling on the federal government to bring its spending back to those already all-time highs of pre-pandemic. I'm wondering, uh, Franco, because, you know, with the agreement that has been signed, it sounds to me like you you feel, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, that the fate was sealed as far as this budget is concerned once the Liberals and NDP, you know, have this agreement that was uh, maybe a handshake, but now it's certainly formal. You might have a lot of Canadians out there who are full of apathy and say, just throw my hands in the air, take my money, this is the way it's going to be. Can we, the average Canadian, do anything at this point with, with an agreement that's been signed between the two heavies? Well, you know, it's very concerning, and, and, and I've actually been on a debt clock tour um, going all across Canada, showing the debt going up in real time and talking to Canadians. And one thing that I'm hearing from so many Canadians in each province is that they are very worried about how this higher debt is pushing up inflation. They are very worried about how we're going to pay for this unprecedented amount of government spending. And also Canadians are very worried about what type of financial future they're going to leave to their kids and their grandkids. Everyone wants to set up the next generation for success. Well, it's going to be very hard if this federal government continues to rack up higher and higher debt. And on to that agreement with the NDP. Look, this Liberal government was already spending like crazy before the pandemic. And the NDP ran on a platform that was chock full of tax hikes and that wanted to spend an extra $200 billion. So I think we have every right to be very concerned. Franco, if before the budget comes down, you had a couple of minutes, last chance to whisper in the ear of the prime minister and the finance (laughs) minister, what do you say? Well, number one, you, we need to see leadership at the top, and that means reining in these pandemic pay raises that members of parliament have given themselves. They've given themselves three pay raises during the pandemic. It's really a slap in the face to so many taxpayers. But number two, I would reiterate how much pain people are feeling at the gas pumps and when they're buying ground beef at the grocery store. We need tax relief. We need a real plan to fight this inflation. I guess we'll get further details in the next handful of hours here on that 2022 federal budget. In the meantime, we appreciate you uh, giving us your opinions. Franco, thanks so much. Well, thank you. That is Franco Terrazano, federal director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. I don't know, and I I understand that concept also of, you know, maybe we tax more so uh, the wealthy and we can get those extras. But I'm at at the point now, and I know that Franco is, uh, you know, does Franco things and they look at every angle we don't need extras right now. We are so far. It's almost like saying, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in debt, but it's time. This is the year to buy that boat. You know, I mean. <laughs> $1.2 trillion. 40, was it $4,500 a second that we're yep. it's And $31,000 per person. <sighs> it is. It's just, it's a massive amount of money. It's almost, I think for so many, and for me, like it just is such a giant number that it's almost incomprehensible. And you kind of go, mm, I don't even, I can't, I, I can't relate anymore. And but it's such a giant number that we should care. And we can, all, we can all speculate again this afternoon, 2 o'clock Calgary time. We'll have you covered here on 770 CHQR. But I'm just not, ex- I'm, ex- I'm bracing myself mm-hmm. almost. And especially when you find out that the deals have been made and, you know, you have to tick off these boxes to keep the NDP, federal NDP happy. It's, it's only going to cost us. It's, it's, uh, it's, 
I throw my hands in the air. I think the uh, the pandemic has allowed the government to be able to just continue to spend, right? It's sort of been a, a, a an ability to print money because we, we needed so much during the past couple of years, and it doesn't seem like it's slowing down. Well, and I, I try to keep a grip on my household finances. I've been called cheap and other things in the past, but I do understand, and I think we've all been there personally within our household, or is it a single individual, where sometimes you're so far in debt, you're like, you know, I don't need that new TV, but I'm so far in debt anyway. I'm <laughs> what's, just gonna, what's another you know, trillion dollars? Add a few more steps on that mountain of debt. Lucy's mad at you, and for not good reason. Uh, Lucy says, a quote, is there anything we can do about this, says Andy. How about stop voting liberal? Seriously. <laughs> well, Lucy, don't you worry. Andy has never voted liberal no, in his I life, so you have. can't pin this no, one on him. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, that being said, I think if you look back over the pandemic, I don't know that conservatives would have spent much less because there was so much financial help needed. Now, obviously, we've gone over and above, I think, at this point. Um, But the the Conservatives would have put us into a lot of debt as well because we needed help individually, businesses. Everybody needed help over the pandemic. Yeah, I mean, which player would have different moves in the game that we've been playing for the past two years? We've talked about this many times, you and I, and and had conversations on this program, whether it's, you know, uh, provincially or federally, they're up against it. They're dealing with something we've never dealt with in the history yeah. of, of, of mankind of, of this size since the Spanish flu. And I mean, we have more people on the planet and mm-hmm. intricacies and travel. So I don't know. All I know is I'm pretty sure when I hear what's coming down and what that bill is going to be that I'm not going to be smiling. No, I'm pretty sure you won't be. Thankfully, it's National Beer Day. Good point. Uh, Hey, by the way, the budget comes down around 2 p.m. We'll have full coverage for you here right here on 770 CHQR. So we're trying to connect right now with the Calgary Police Commission uh, to talk about that thin blue line patch. It's interesting to me in that I I see both sides. You know, Sure, I do too. You want to, you know, give respect. You want to remember Especially for those, yeah. when you're an officer, to have lost officers in the line of duty, I Unimaginable. I so fully understand why you would want to remember them, commemorate them, respect them. Um, you know, and then there's the other side of things where that patch, it has a, a, a bad connotation for a lot of people in the community. Yeah. And that's a, that's a tough thing to reconcile, isn't it? Yeah. So what is the best way to do that, I guess, is the question. Let's find out. We have connected with Sean Cornett, Calgary Police Commission uh, Chair. Good morning to you, Sean. Thanks so much for being with us. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Now, I know the Commission was meeting yesterday to talk about the Thin Blue Line patch. Can you let us know what came out of this meeting? Uh, Yes. Um, We uh, continued on with uh, the conversations about... Um, the difficulties of the patch, we we understand that it means different things to different people, um, and we understand how valuable it is to people in the police service. However, um, it's also a, a symbol that people in the community aren't comfortable Many people in the com- or some people in the community aren't um, comfortable with, and so um, we have made the decision and will continue to support uh, follow that decision that it should not be uh, worn by on-duty officers. So is is there an actual rift between the Calgary Police Commission and the rank and file, Sean? What, what, what are you saying? We have heard that um, the service has lost trust with the commission. Um, that's, that's very unfortunate, and, and we'll be working very hard to put that back together. 
Okay, so what can happen next then? I mean, the patch is important. So is there a way? I mean, that patch that, that is being worn was never an official patch, right? So is there a way then to moving forward, come up with an official patch that maybe you is discussed with the rank and file, the officers themselves as to what they might like that to look like that they can then display on their uniforms? Uh, absolutely. Certainly is as that was one of the conversations we had in the fall and, and early this year was that we would support them in creating a patch that um, is unique to Calgary, that can be seen positively and, and respect that loyalty and honour that they want to show to their people. So absolutely, um, we've offered to support them uh, in doing that and providing some resources if that's something that would assist. So, so what is what is the next step here within the conversation and moving ahead? How do you see these uh, steps and, and things evolving? Um, at this point, um, you know, we are an oversight body. We're governance, um, and we have uh, put this directive forward to the chief. He's the person who is um, the uh, senior person of the organization, and he has um, uh, discussions, plans, conversations in place for the next, a couple of weeks to work through this within the service and um, that's his his role and uh, we'll support him in doing that. Does the commission have any power to enforce the removal of this patch from the uniforms? The actual uniform is governed by I think it's section 55 of the Police Act and that's something within our jurisdiction so that's where and how we made that directive. Um, however, it is up to the chief to work with his service to um, find commitment to that directive. Uh, we we in, we don't want to go down the road of compliance. We want people to understand why we're doing this, what it means to the community, what it means to our commitment to anti-racism. And so that's, that may be a longer process, but we would far rather see if we can find commitment and understanding um, and awareness of the impact so that um, they can you know, understand where, where we're coming from so the community can bring it. I mean, we, we want the community to come back together. We, we're not looking to divide people. We want one community that, that's safe and inclusive for all. Sean, just before we let you go, I'm wondering, are you aware of uh, how in other jurisdictions something like this is handled to give the officers the opportunity uh, to, to wear and to show their remembrance, to show their support? Uh, are there different ways? Uh, certainly other communities have dealt with this. I know the RCMP and Victoria and a number of other cities um, have have decided that this particular patch is not suitable. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we feel that there's other ways that they can um, remember the people who have given so much and, and some who have given their lives in service to the community. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Really appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thanks. Sean Cornett is the Calgary Police Commission Chair. Time to check in with the man who knows Calgary real estate. The last time we talked with Justin Haver, realtor with Justin Haver and Associates Remax First, the market was red hot, but have things cooled down? Let's find out. Good morning, Justin. Thanks for being with us. Good morning, Sue and Andy. Thank you for having me this morning. Okay, so is it still crazy out there or are things settling a little bit? 
You know, we're noticing that things are setting, settling a bit. Uh, you know, the craziness that we saw here earlier in uh, February has definitely uh, subsided a bit. And, uh, yeah, it, uh, it is way better to be a buyer now than back then because uh, we can now put some conditions into these offers in order to uh, secure your next home. Putting some conditions in, but what about the uh, bidding wars, Justin? Are those gone or are we still seeing some? We're still seeing uh, plenty of bidding wars, but we're, you know, seeing less offers when it comes time to present the offers to the sellers. Uh, You know, when it was uh, in the peak there back in February, we could see, you know, 20, 30, 40, even 50 offers. Now we may see, you know, a handful of offers and the majority of the offers have uh, conditions in them, which, you know, is much better for the buyers because then they can do their due diligence and uh, not sit on pins and needles because mm-hmm. they had an offer accepted with zero conditions. So, Justin, what do you think are our interest rate hikes to blame for the slowdown? Well, I think that uh, interest rate hikes definitely has an impact on it as well as, uh, you know, the price gains that we've seen in the market. You know, the benchmark price for detached properties rose to 620 20000 here in March, which is $73,000 higher than what the levels were in December and about 114000 higher than what it was last March. So obviously with higher prices, there comes a little bit of an adjustment period as well for buyers to kind of stomach these new prices that we're seeing in the marketplace. And we're also seeing some sellers trying to push the boundaries on pricing, which, uh, you know, the buyers may not necessarily agree with. All right. Well, let's talk about, you know, as far as it's been unpredictable, and I, can, I can't imagine being in your shoes and uh, working as a realtor in, in Calgary. Typically, I, I would think that things pick up in the spring. Are you expecting things to be picking up over the next couple of months here? We're still expecting it to be uh, quite a brisk market out there. Obviously, uh, we're anticipating another rate increase here this April. So if there are any buyers who are considering making a purchase in the next two to three months, I highly recommend that they contact their mortgage broker or bank right away to secure their rates for the next 90 to 120 days. Therefore, they will have the uh, lower rates when they acquire their property. And, uh, you know, in a typical spring market, we will see more inventory hit the market as well. So uh, it should be uh, a great time in the real estate market here. I was going to ask you that, Justin. So if I want to lock in, I can lock in for the next three months or so at at the, the current interest rate? Yes. So typically, I mean, these are depending on the lender. So you want to make sure that you ask these questions uh, when you're getting your pre-qualification with your mortgage broker or bank to when your interest rate hold will expire. Therefore, you've got to ensure that you get into the next property before those rates expire. Okay. Let's talk about, uh, sorry, I just had some coffee in my mouth. I'm digesting this. <laughs> um, let's talk about, uh, you know, looking ahead. Like if, if you're thinking that this is going to be the year, and I know I mentioned spring kind of you know, typically would be a busy one for you folks. It's a crazy year. But in the summer, if I'm still thinking about relocating, is it something that I should be waiting until the late summer months if I want to you know, move neighborhoods and I don't want to uproot the kids during the school year, or should I be more so on top of it earlier? You know, that's a great question, and uh, it really depends on your circumstances. You know, ideally, if you have family and you have kids that are in school, you know, you do want to wait till summer because, uh, you know, uprooting the kids from school before the end of the school year typically doesn't make a lot of sense. So, you know, the summer months are also uh, quite uh, active as well, and, uh, you know, hopefully 
there will be less potential buyers in the market in the summer months because a lot of them have also, you know, jumped into the market here this spring. Justin, for Albertans, do our current high oil prices help or hinder the real estate world? Well, I think we're all having a little bit of a sticker shock at the pumps these days. And, uh, you know, that will have an impact, obviously, on, uh, you know, the cost of living for everyone, uh, not only in Alberta, but across the country and across the world because of the high oil prices. Now, typically, the high oil prices will support uh, higher prices in the real estate market from what we've experienced in the past. Excuse me, and where. We typically see, you know, if there's any decrease in the housing prices, it goes in line with the uh, collapse or retraction of the energy prices. Let's talk about, you know, where these uh, home buyers are coming from, because I know in the past few months we were talking about a huge, uh, you know, immigration of folks from, for example, out east, particularly in Ontario, taking advantage of lower prices here, even though to us they seem quite high. Are you still seeing that kind of a pipeline from the east? into the city of Calgary? Yeah, we're still seeing a pipeline of uh, people coming in from Ontario, but not as many as uh, before. And, uh, you know, Calgary is still very affordable if you look at the prices uh, for single-family homes or or even apartments, for that matter, uh, compared to other markets across uh, the country. So I think we will continue to uh, be very appealing, and uh, I think people will continue to potentially cash out of the markets out in Ontario and perhaps Vancouver where the prices are, um, you know, quite high and uh, coming here to, uh, you know, acquire a lot more real estate for less money. Okay, so people listening, do you have any tips for us, Justin, if we want to get into the market right now? What's What are the best and, and top three things we should do immediately? Well, I think uh, first and foremost, uh, ensure that you have your initial down payment already in your bank account. So if you have them in the RSPs, make sure that you pull them out so you're ready to pull the trigger as well as getting pre-approved with your mortgage broker uh, ensuring that you have um, all the documents that the mortgage broker requires in order to obtain your mortgage. Therefore, you have a firm pre-approval and you can be more confident when you put in an offer on the property. And, you know, with the market being the way it is, still anticipate that you may enter into competing offer scenarios. You know, when the sellers are pricing their properties, um, I'm going to say aggressive or very appealing in the market. And if it is a desirable property, you can anticipate to still go into competing offers. So, um, you know, be prepared and uh, also work with a real estate professional that will guide you through the entire process. Thank you so much for your insight and your update this morning, Justin. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Have a wonderful day. You too. That is Justin Haver. Realtor with Justin Havern Associates, Remax First. You can find out what he does and, and more online at justinhaver.com. I have a friend who just pulled the, uh, the the trigger, I suppose, and got into the new home market, uh, had been trying to get a home. I think the last bid she said she put in, there were 30 other bidders and people were up to 50 and more, 1,000 above asking. But she just managed to get in two bidders on this property and only had to go about 5,000 over asking. So it looks like things have started to sort of even out a little bit because they just got crazy there, well, didn't they? And Justin knows his stuff, but yeah. I would also suggest a mortgage broker, a good mortgage mm. broker, because they will help help you navigate. Because so often we, we're stick, stuck with the same 
institution thinking, okay, I've been with them for years. I must be getting the best deal. You have to do your due diligence. Yeah. And we're hearing that those rates could go up further. As Justin said, one lock in as soon as possible. It's a place that's been around for over 50 years in our city, a place where you can take a step into history. Our on-air contributor, Dave McIver, has our latest feature in our series, Where We Live. Located only 15 minutes from downtown, at the west end of Heritage Drive is a place that provides an experience that connects people with the settlement of Western Canada, Heritage Park. So Heritage Park, the idea actually for Heritage Park started in 1961 with the uh, the, Woods, or, uh, the Woods Foundation and the city came together to build what they called at the time a children's pioneer theme park. So the Woods Foundation put up $150,000, which was matched by the city. The city also provided the 127 acres that the land, uh, that the park sits on right now. Uh, they went to Calgarians and asked for some uh, cash as well. And Calgarians came up with another $77,000 and the work on the park began. So the society, which lives to this day, was established in 1963. That took over the construction and the development, and then to this day, still the operation of the park. So on July the 1st, 1964, the doors to the park opened for the first time. There were uh, about 100 volunteers at the time with about 30 full and part-time staff, depending on how many from from, uh, day to day were here. So to put that in perspective, Over the years, we now have over 100 full-time staff at the park, numerous part-time and seasonal staff. We have uh, about 900 volunteers from year to year. Um, In 2021, they gave over 43,000 hours of their time to the park. That's Dominic Terry, the Strategic Communications Manager at Heritage Park. I asked him why it's so important to preserve history the way that they do it. It's important because it's a record of who we are and where we came from and where we're going. For Western Canada, it tells that story of those people who came before us, whether they were Indigenous people who lived off the land here for hundreds of years before we were here, uh, to those people who came here from other parts of the world to make a new life. Chinese people who came here to work on the railroad. There was this large Sikh community that people don't know that were here at the the turn of the century. Uh, Eastern Europeans who came here, many Ukrainians, of course, massive Ukrainian population uh, in Western Canada. Heritage Park also has the unique distinction of being able to tell the stories of energy, which is a really important part, of course, of Alberta's history. Uh, Coal mine experience, we have the water wheel, and you can go down there and pan for gold. We also, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that we also have one of the most interesting collections of of steam train artifacts in North America. Uh, Likely the oldest passenger rail equipment that is uh, still in use on the continent. Uh, including a number of pieces of equipment that would have been at the last, the driving of the last stake at the Canadian Pacific Railway. And very few places in North America or around the world can really boast that kind of uh, the collection that we have and, and people from around the world come and see it every year. And when you do head down to the park, it's essentially like stepping back in time. Heritage Park offers an authentic, immersive storytelling experience in a living history setting. The biggest living history museum in Canada. And we rival the Williamsburg uh, Civil War Museum as the biggest in North America. So that means all of your interpreters when you come here are costumed. We have over 17,000 pieces of costume at the park that we use so that we give you that immersive experience. So that when you feel like you walk through the gates, that you are literally walking back in time. The park also serves to connect people with the history of Western Canada, preserves that culture and the heritage so their children and grandchildren can understand what it was like to live in the 18, you know, between the 18, say, 60s and, and 1950s. So it really ties a lot of places 
together uh, with a, a, a really interesting set of artifacts and, and buildings to give you a really immersive experience. For 770 CHQR, I'm Dave McIver. Where we live is brought to you by Furnace Family. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.